This is episode 291 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today is another segment of her story where we share real women journey leaving diet culture behind. And today you'll meet Montserrat Lopez, a physic PhD who has created an unshakable sense of self-acceptance in her life over the last year, not by shrinking her body, but by actually doing the opposite, undieting her life. I can't wait for you to meet this powerful women. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist and creator of the Going Beyond the Food Method. And after a 25-year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and undiet my life. It is now my mission to help women undiet their life. If you're new to our podcast, be sure to grab our free podcast roadmap at stephaniedoze.com forward slash roadmap. Ready, sisters? Let's do this. Hello, sisters, and welcome back. This is going to be an episode for all my logical sisters. Those of you who are very similar to me, perhaps have a engineering background, a science background. You love the data. You love using your mind, but you're also trapped in your mind. You're going to listen to Montserrat, our guest today, a woman, a client, a student of mine who has used our process to create for herself a sense of unshakable self-acceptance. And you're listening to her, and I want to kind of put a warning here for all those very logical sister. You'll listen to this episode, and, and I know you're probably going to think, well, nice to her, but I don't think this is going to work for me. It seems so simple. In fact, you may think it seems too simple. I need something more complicated for my problem. And I know some of you will have this thought because that's the thought that drove me for years in trying to search for the solution that would fix my very unique challenge, quote, problem that was so unsolvable, right? Part of the side effect of diet culture is making us think that we, as a person, as a woman, are the problem. Here's the thing I want to send to all of you, this message. You are not the problem. I wasn't the problem. And the longer I stayed focused on me being the problem, I never found the solution because I was looking for a solution to a problem that didn't exist. I wasn't the problem. The problem was diet culture, the system of belief, the system of oppression, the thoughts I was socialized to at a very early age that I needed to unsocialize myself from. I was looking for the wrong solution. And this is why over the years of looking for the solution, I kept looking for something harder, more complicated, because nothing is working. So I was like, well, it must be. I'm so, quote, broken that it has to be so complicated. In fact, that's why I ended up in nutrition school. 
That's why I went back to school at 39 years old to get a degree in nutrition after getting a degree in health science because I thought, well, the solution has to be that complicated that I need to go and educate myself in this field in order to find a solution for me. So for all of you that are thinking that or have been thinking that and you're still seeking a solution, this is the episode for you. This is the episode you need to listen to. And yeah, your brain will tell you it's too simple. But that's the answer. The answer is in your own mind. It's not about the food. It's not about the exercise. It's not about even the way you look at your body in the mirror. It starts with the mindset work, with the deprogramming of your brain from all the socialization of diet culture. That's how, that's the solution. That's how you're going to liberate yourself from all the emotional drama that you're living into. And that was the situation with Montserrat, where because of her background and education, she was trapped in her mind and spinning in circle. And as soon as we taught her, just like we teach every one of our students in our program, our self-coaching framework, she was able to see what was holding her back. And it wasn't about her. It was all about the messages that she was socialized to, just like you, just like me, at a very early age. As a side note, me and Montserrat have been (laughs) extensively working on creating this interview for you for months. And as you'll hear in the interview with her, she's had a few incidents recently in her life that altered our possibility of recording this podcast episode for you. But today's the day. Today's the day where I'm able to present this conversation that I hope will serve as an inspiration to many of you. And if it does, I hope to see you inside of Undiet Your Life and you'll be able to meet Montserrat. So with that said, over to the interview. Welcome to the show, Montserrat. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> this, we've been wanting to do that for months. So it's finally the day. <laughs> like, I, I think maybe a year that we started talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Montserrat has been undieting her life for about a year and a half now. And I wanted to bring her on the show so she can share her experience because she's gone through and change pretty much every aspect of her life, but not externally, but internally and how she experiences her life. And I think she will be a great inspiration to anybody listening here. So let's go right into this. If you were to talk to someone who doesn't know what you've been doing, and you're talking to them about the process of diet culture and dieting your life, what would you say it's the first thing that comes to your mind? This program taught me the tools to take responsibility and ownership for my life and the things I do. Okay. Yeah. And how has that impacted your life? Like we were just talking before we started recording. That's why I rushed her in like, we got to record. This is so good. (laughs) 
you were talking about social media. So maybe give people a little bit of background, who you are, what you do. And then we'll talk about this whole social media thing you were talking to me about, like how your relationship to social media has changed. So my name is Montserrat and I am an aficionate sewist. I found that sewing was one of my superpowers. Yes. I live in a larger body and I had a very hard time finding clothes for myself in stores. Like since I was child. So sewing enabled me to create the, the clothes that I want to wear to discover my style and to feel comfortable wearing the clothes I want to wear. I was a tomboy for like my adolescent years because I was wearing my dad's clothes. That's Mm -hmm. what I could wear, you know? So then I started sewing and I started wearing dresses and I started to realize I actually like wearing dresses. It's nice. But like if I went to, to stores, I would never find a dress that fitted my body. And it taught me for the first time, the problem is not my body. The problem Mm -hmm. is the stores and the clothes that they sell. So when I finished my PhD in physics, I started a sewing blog and I started sewing more and more and became part of this community in which we show each other what we make and we teach each other different techniques. And it has been evolving ever since. In a way, it is a space where you feel safe, where you feel welcome. And where also evolution has happened throughout these last few years, because as in the fashion industry, there is a body form or an average body for which they design a pattern. And then the pattern are the, the lines traced in the paper that you cut and then you like put on top of the fabric to cut the fabric to make a dress. So... That part even in this industry is made so that the master pattern is designed for a body form, which is an average body size, and then extended from there. So there is a limit to how much you can extend up and down. And the evolution of that part in sewing has become so that now there's two different body forms and one Mm -hmm. serves for the lower range, one for the higher range. When I started sewing, the teacher didn't even know how to like change the pattern so that I could fit it for my body. And that was a struggle wow. for many sewists because the, all the ones who were in larger bodies had to face only people who maybe had studied fashion or were tailoring for a few years and they came into larger bodies like, I, I have no idea. Like starting at how the classroom is set up, what kind of me- uh, measuring tapes you use, like all the tools have to be adaptable, right? So you face stigma from the beginning. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, because if there's not measuring tape to measure your body in class, like how do you feel? Yeah, 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 of course. So you were in the industry that were faced with stigma, right? Yeah. And you were in a larger body and that's how you came to the world of social media, right? You were part of the industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And posting on social media. So let's pause here and say, how did you come to want to do work for me? Because you are already living in a larger body, facing stigma. Like what 
got you to work with us? What yeah. did you want it to quote, solve or get better at? Yeah, so I, I started listening to your podcast ah. and I am a scientist. So some of the approaches don't work for me. Let's just put it that way. I love how yes. you're a geek and how you explain and how you interview scientists and nutritionists and like all these things that build up like a stable base. Yes. For me, you know, like yes. this is why... I wanted to listen to you when I want to listen to you. And so that really resonated. I started listening to your podcast and I was exhausted of thinking my first diet started at seven years old after the divorce of my parents, you know? So I had uh, maybe 20 something years dieting on and off and on and off and on and off. And my pattern was okay, I am going to push myself through a diet and then I'm going to lose some weight and then I'm going to be more worthy, of course, because that's how we learn. And then, oh my God, there is this this little problem in my life. How am I going to do this? Okay, emotional eating. And so the food started, like, no, it didn't start. It was just a pattern in my life. The food was providing comfort to my to mm-hmm. myself. And then I would gain the weight I had lost and a lot more. And then this, this, the, the periods of dieting just became smaller and smaller. And at some point I was like, this is shit. I don't want to live this way anymore. So I found you and I thought this would be an amazing place to be in mm-hmm. acceptance of who I am, what I look like, and being compassionate and understanding of what has created my internalized fat phobia. Yeah. It's very interesting because you obviously have a very logical brain, right? As your background in physics and higher end study, you're like very logic in the way you're thinking. And that has great potential for most people. But what I have found in working with a lot of women like you, and I am the same way, right? I'm a scientist and very logical. It's also can be very harmful for our own inner world because we use the power of our brain against ourselves. Yeah. Right. We are the best self critic on the world about ourselves. Is that what you were experiencing? Totally. I think most fat people who live who live in us in an environment of oppression are the yeah. same way towards themselves like i know probably two people who are in larger bodies who didn't like diet in order life and i i am impressed by what kind of environment they must have been in so that they didn't have to diet and and kind of like punish themselves because of being in a larger body yeah so you were very self-critical of yourself yes. before the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you came in to gain acceptance, right? You, you started to work with us because you were done with dieting, but you wanted to accept your body. And I remember the first few times I coached you, right? There was a lot of, it was difficult. There was a lot of tears. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, are, we talk about acceptance. And I remember one of the coaching calls, it was... Like I wrote to this pattern maker and then I told them I didn't feel included in their size range. And you said, 
why don't you feel included? And you started coaching me and like that conversation led to, I am not accepting myself and I'm looking for acceptance somewhere else. When the pandemic started, it was like, I need social media, boom, because I need to interact with people and I need people to see me and understand me and like to be with them and them to be with me. And like I was posting every day in the month of uh, May, which is like a, a month of party in the sewing community where everyone wears what they make. And it was in a way, a way to liberate myself from what I was living in at home, like having to take care of the kids and having to take care of the family and like putting myself all the way at the back. That is a decision I made. <laughs> Then I realized, of course, But having social media and exploding myself there was my escape to all of this. To all of this, I need acceptance for what I'm going through and what is happening in my life and what, is, what this is doing to my body. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, life is very different today. How's your relationship to social media today? So, <laughs> I think, so I am using it more as a tool to show new techniques that I find interesting. Mm -hmm. I am still sewing because it's just a part of my life and a way for me to express myself for myself. But like I just go in, see a couple of things that my friends do and then take out, like go out and, and live the rest of my life present. Present. It's a mm -hmm. gift. Presence in my life is one of the biggest gifts that I have gained through you, through this person. And you, I don't think we've mentioned, but you have two little kids. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Under the age of, must be four Five. now, right? One, Five. one is starting school tomorrow. Okay. That's a big day. Yes. Yes. We are, we are getting everything ready for her to be ready. They are in vacation this week. So how has your relationship to your children, your family in general, has changed by going through this process of undieting your life and, and making peace with yourself and accepting yourself? Oh my God, it's definitely, it has changed everything. So I originally felt like I was having trouble connecting with my, one of my children. And I was like, how can I connect better? Why doesn't she want to give me love the way I want to give her love? And through this process... Mm -hmm of understanding what my thoughts were, what my emotions were, and what I wanted to think. But I learned to give empathy and to accept that she's different from me and she's going to give love in a different way that I give love. So I need to meet her where she's at. I, I can't push her into being what I want her to be. Mm. Oh my God, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. And then I, I started to, because of course, All the work started in my relationship to food, right? So I was learning, yeah. give yourself permission. There's no thing good or bad. Just be fulfilled and happy and find the joy and connect to your body. So I started like letting my kids eat what they want. If they want to eat it, that's fine. If they don't want to eat it, that's fine. You don't like there's days in which they don't have dinner and it's okay. 
it's okay. <laughs> they're not going to day. The next morning, they are having a huge breakfast because they didn't eat the night before. They don't wake up at night. Like, it's fine. It's just trusting, a process of learning to trust in our bodies. You talked about the thoughts and emotion and understanding your thoughts, your emotion, and how you wanted to think intentionally. That changed the relationship to your daughter because you were able to meet her where she was is of the three part of the program. Like there's food, there's body and there's mindset. Mm -hmm. Would you say one of them was most significant for you? All of them. All of them them complement each other. Of course. Like I had trouble being myself in my body. Yeah. And that made all these thoughts to not let my emotions settle. I was punishing my body for feeling the emotions and the and the emotions were being created by thoughts, right? So if you don't encompass everything, then of course you won't you won't get anywhere, right? Like that's a vicious cycle on its on itself. Yeah, yeah because many women come to us like you having already stopped dieting and have it tried to quote accept their body right a lot like for an example in social media that's what's being thought but the missing element in their journey is the mindset mm-hmm. right is understanding how their brain functions and their thoughts creates your feeling your feeling creates your action and you have a choice to think intentionally mm-hmm. Is that what was the missing piece for you? Yes. No, like everything was missing. (laughs) I wasn't connecting that I was eating emotionally. I just was, I just knew I wanted to lose weight because then I would be more worthy. And then when I had some struggle, I would regain everything and more. And so the pattern was like up, 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 up. And I I didn't know where it was going to be stopping, if it ever was going to be stopping. And I was so afraid of, like, losing my husband because what if he doesn't love me the way I look, you know? I was asking him, okay, like, when are you going to stop me, you know? Like, when are you going to say something about my body? And he was like, I don't know, like, it's your body. I couldn't have asked for a better person to be next to me, you know? When looking in in perspective, back at those moments when I was like, where is the limit? Am I like, when am I going to put the limit? The truth is, there is no limit. Like you just be and accept and compassion. Have compassion for yourself. Be free. And then there is no limit. Like you don't need a limit. I am going to tell you this because... It's a thing I have observed. I haven't weighed myself for a year and a half. I don't even have a like a weighing, what, a, what is the name? A balance anymore. But I, I measure myself because I have to make clothes. Over the last year, my measurements haven't changed. And it's a year in which I, like my body and my life has been completely turned around. If it was before, of course, my body would have reacted because my mind and my emotions would have reacted to all these different situations I have been living. It's just a blessing to learn to listen and accept ourselves and to trust our body and its wisdom. Yes. And so let's go into the 
latest opportunity you've had to trust and listen to your body, which was a health condition, right? There was a health event recently that has allowed you to practice what you've learned. So can you give us a little bit of background and, and share with everyone how you experienced this? Yes, of course. So back in February, 2020, I started having some kidney issues that started just with a little bit of blood in my urine. And then I started having fever and I was like, okay, I called the nurses and they said, go to emergency. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to emergency. They took blood tests. And then I came back home that day. They gave me some antibiotics for my kidney, blah, blah, blah. I started taking the pills and the next morning they called, you know what? You have to come back. Okay. Some of your blood tests came positive with bacteria. So we have to like check you in, in the hospital. And I still, I told David, I don't know if I'm going to come back or when I'm going to come back. Just pack, like I, I just packed my bag for one day. I went to the hospital said, okay, whatever happens, happens. And then I was in the hospital. They started me antibiotics and my body started reacting to the antibiotics, like reacting. The, mm-hmm. There was bacteria in my blood that was starting to be killed from the antibiotic disease, sepsis. So I had sepsis and I started to think, oh my God, what is going to happen? Like, what if I don't come out of this one, you know? Who knows? But of course my mind... <laughs> My mind is incredible. Like I I was considering the possibility of not coming out of the hospital alive and how my life or how my lack of life would affect the rest of my life, you know? Like what am I going to tell my husband if I don't come out alive? So I called him I said, "You know what? If I don't come out of this one, you are free to do your life whichever way. Love my kids. Enjoy your life. It's yours. If I'm not here, it's yours. So, like, do you. Whatever you want. You want to go to Australia, to Mexico, to Canada, like, whatever you do. I'm going to be there for you whenever you call me in spirit. <laughs> then, so the antibiotics worked really well. And after a couple of days at the hospital, I like I started dancing and moving. Oh my God, it felt so good to not feel so sick, not feel sick. And so they did studies and scans and they realized I had a massive kidney stone that was not gonna come out through not invasive procedures. So they had to like do a surgery on, on from my back or my side to get the stones out. So like after like a four day stay in the hospital, they inserted a double J stent, which is like a spring that goes from your urethra to your kidney and just kind of shrinks every time you have to go use the toilet to pee. And then that kind of allows any bacteria to come out if there is any buildup kind of coming up. So it was very painful to have that stent that spring inside me if you walk too much then you start bleeding if you like whatever you do like life becomes different I learned to deal with pain through self-coaching 
okay, it's normal to feel pain. It's a way of my for my body to tell me something is going on. It's okay, body, I'm taking care of it. What do you need? I was putting time. Like I started to recover my relationship to movement. Mm. Oh my God, I remember that first time we met with the, in the coaching call, in the conference with one of your students. And I was so aggressive against movement. I you were like, angry at movement. Why do I have to move, you know? Yeah, I was angry. And I, I realized it. I was like, oh my God, my like relationship to movement is so damaged. It was always move so you can be worthy and so you can be thinner, so you can be something you are not. Mm-hmm. I then I never knew movement could provide comfort in my life for my body, for myself. And that came out of the surgery. Yes. 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 And the, so you were talking to me offline, but I want to make sure we record this because there's a lot of women that experience chronic pain, right? So your pain wasn't chronic. It was temporarily, but very acute in the surgery setting. You still had to learn to be with the pain. Yes. That was the way through pain wasn't avoiding it can you share with people what you shared with me earlier you were avoiding pain so this is like they put the the first spring to to recover from the infection and then i had the surgery but it was a time like about four months between they put the stent and then i had the surgery and that process like in that time i learned okay i have to call the hospital to make sure that my booking is booked and that they advocacy and you know, like, when are you doing this? I am here. I am here for myself. So then the surgery came and the doctor had very blessed hands. The surgery went very well. There was nothing left and I could start recovering. And of course, like at the hospital, I, they inserted another double J stent so that I could drain the, anything left from the surgery so I could recover. And the, the doctor said, we'll, we'll remove this one in a month. So, okay. And the first night after the surgery, it was the most painful thing I had felt. I had gone through labor for 30 hours with one of my kids. The second one was an emergency section. And this was ooh, very intense. It was, it was waves of intensity. It wasn't super intense all the time, but of course I was recovering. And when I... When a wave of pain came, I was like trying to breathe and trying to let it pass. And then it passed and I was like, that was the most intense I have ever felt in my life. And then I started letting it happen. And eventually they, that intense, kind of like my body accommodated to what it had inside. My kidney said, okay, this thing needs to be moved here. This thing needs to move this way. Okay, now we're good. Uh, after a few times, like five times maybe, I stopped feeling those intense waves of pain that were created when, when I had an urge to pee. But then the next morning, I woke up and then they wanted to move me and I was in such a pain when they wanted to move me. And I was crying and the nurse was like, are you having a panic attack? And I was like, no, 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 no. It's just like the painkillers were like, it was a low dose for me, you know? 
and they were probably wearing off and we had to wait until the next dose. And so the doctor came and saw me and he's like, we're going to increase your dose. And the nurse said, you need to start laying on the side of the wound where it's hurting. And then it clicked on me. I was like, I need to go towards the pain and not away from it. And so I started to lay on my pain and accept this is how it is now. This is what I like, what I am going to live through in this moment and we'll see for how long, but this is what it is now. <sighs> and then the fear of moving away from the pain stopped and I started laying on it and accepting it and accepting having compassion for myself. Like even if after all of this, I was still unconsciously in some places of, I am still unconsciously in some places of my life running away from the things I don't want to leave, right? But when you realize this is not running, this is coming to lay on top of what is bothering you, observing it, accepting it, giving it compassion, giving yourself compassion and love, then it comes out. See? You get through it. Yeah, yeah. This is one thing you taught me too. The only way through is through. It's true. See, see, see. <sighs> so, yeah. And then after a month, I was really well recovered. Of course, I had to like advocate for myself at the hospital. I had to say, I need you to treat me with kindness and respect because I am a person and I am in pain. I'm not trying to like bother you while you're working. I know you're loaded with work, but try to put yourself in my perspective too, right? Like I'm in pain, I need your help right now. And at work, I had told my boss that I was gonna be back in two days because that's what the person booking the surgery had told me that it would take to recover. But of course, when the doctor's note came, it was four weeks. So I had to call my job and say, I'm gonna be away for four weeks recovering. And they were like, oh my God, please come back earlier. And I was like, I love my job, but I don't, like, I can't deal with the stress. I am the only person responsible for my recovery. It doesn't matter that I have a thought. I am worthy if I work more. Mm. I could choose to think that thought, or I could choose to think I need to be responsible for supporting my, myself through recovery. What do I want to choose to think? Do I want to choose to believe that I'm going to be more worthy if I go to work, even if I'm not recovered? Or do I want to give myself the space to recover and come out of this and then be joyful because I have my health? So you can guess what I choose, right? <laughs> yeah, option B. <laughs> of course, of course. So people listening to this who don't understand self-coaching, they're probably, what the heck is she talking about, right? So just give you a little bit of perspective. That's what we do first. We get to understand how our brain works, right? Like the science of our brain and understanding that our thoughts, we have thousands of them in a day. We don't have to believe our thoughts, they're optional. 
that's what she's talking about here. She's like, okay, I have this thought, but I don't have to believe it and think it. I can actually choose to think this instead. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did. And that changed your recovery process. Yeah. Yeah. I find that it, it comes down to us being even afraid of our thoughts or acting upon our thoughts. What you taught me was, it's okay. Look at your thoughts, find where they are coming from and decide if that's what you want to believe about yourself, if that's what you choose to believe. It's a choice. Is that what you choose to believe or do you choose to believe something else? What life do you want to create for yourself? This is empowerment, right? Self, (laughs) see, self-power. Like you have the power to choose what you want to believe. And so now it's so, so good to be in my body and so good to be in my life and be present. And that's how you were able to advocate for yourself during surgery, because you probably would have not advocated for yourself that much in the past. Or at all. (laughs) Or at all. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. It was always searching for acceptance and comfort outside of myself. Mm. It's not there. It's not in the fact that my husband tells me, I accept you the way you are. It doesn't matter if you gain weight. If you gain more weight, if you lose weight, it doesn't matter. It's not there that the peace is in me being able to look at myself in the mirror and say, thank you, body. In me waking up in the morning and choosing to move a little bit, to do a little bit of yoga so that my knees and my joints and my shoulders and my mind can wake up and be happy and feel well and feel thankful for my life and for me being in this body. In choosing to do a little bit of meditation because it brings me peace. It's such a different, a completely different relationship with my body and movement and life and presence and my kids and everything you know what I like the most about your story is that your children's are very young and you're going to break the cycle right without going into the detail but it's a cycle in, in your life that was brought on by your family and your mom like most women listening right we learned that from the other women in our life when you do this work as a mom you're officially breaking that cycle yeah 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 Definitely. Right. Your children won't be learning what you learn and they will learn what you're now living your life at. Yeah. Yeah. They already know that the most important thing is what they choose to think. It doesn't matter what the other kids tell them. If Emilia is telling me, Bella told me that I am ugly. And I'm saying, Emilia, what is the most important thing? And she says, my thoughts, mama, what I choose to think. It's amazing. And she's five years old. Thank you very much. And the third year old too. And the third year old too. Like, does it matter what she thinks about you? No. That's That's in her brain. That's her thought. So we're going to wrap this up because we've been chatting for a while here. If you had a message for the woman listening who has been listening to the podcast like you were. Yes. 
<laughs> but hasn't moved into doing the work, whatever that means for her, with us or with somebody else is irrelevant, but doing the work to actually change. What would you say to this woman? If you feel ready to make the life you want to build for yourself, take it. It's a gift. Mm. Does she have to wait till she doesn't feel any more fear? <laughs> It's like, how long do you have to wait to have kids, you know? Like, I you know. never feel ready. Of course, you'll never feel ready. There's always an element of fear. Do you choose to move away from the fear or lean into the pain, you know? Like with the surgery, lean into the fear and then get through it and discover what's on the other side. Yes, that I like. <laughs> Because fear is holding us back our whole life, right? Until we learn it's just an emotion. Our whole life, our whole life. The fear of what others will think, the fear of what, like mostly it's about the outside, right? Like we learn to yes. think too much about what others are thinking about us. It's not about that. And we make other people's thoughts, what they think of us, the force that drives our life. Yes. So we, we build a life to meet other people's thoughts of how our life should be. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we're not living the life we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most important question you work towards building is what do you choose to believe? What do you choose for yourself? I have that in big letters. <laughs> here in my desk what do you choose remember when you're going through the struggle what do you choose and just that is foreign language for most of us we weren't taught that we could choose our belief mm -hmm. right we thought this is the way the beliefs are and i just have to live with them mm -hmm. what we're both inviting you here is You don't have to believe what other people want you to believe. Mm -hmm. You have the capacity to believe what you want and create your own belief system. Mm -hmm. We'll end it with that. It, it's so much bigger than food. It's beyond the food. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Montserrat, for having shared your precious time with us today. Thank you, Stephanie. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for everything. You're welcome. Thank you for helping me change my life. Beyond ready to shed diet culture from your life and become the expert at your own body? Awesome. Then you need to join on Diet Your Life program. Go to stephaniedozier.com forward slash join and join us now. On Diet Your Life is the first program of its kind with the unique combination of mindset, life coaching with intuitive eating and body image. Find your freedom, reclaim your power, and take control of your time so you can refocus on what really matter to you. Join Undiet Your Life at stephaniedoze.com forward slash join, and I'll see you on the other side.